pleased this morning to introduce Pat Moore as our guest. Pat is a 1972 graduate of Auburn University with a BS in Business Administration with a minor in Accounting and a major in Finance. Using his 41 years of experience in the financial services industry, Pat assists his clientele with innovative ideas about strategic planning methodology to help business owners and families create, maintain, and enjoy more wealth and more protection. His area of concentration includes financial estate investment planning, as well as using macroeconomic approaches for all those uh, methodologies. In addition to financial planning, Pat also owned an employee benefit company providing solutions to corporations and retirement benefits and retirement plans. His desire to have an affiliation with a firm with expertise in retirement business led him to Long Financial and their Qualified Plan Advisor Division. Helping people to retire with dignity drives his passion in that area. Away from the office, Pat enjoys being with his grandchildren and serving his community through nonprofit organizations such as Fellowship of Christian Athletes and Room in the Inn. He also coaches his grandsons in baseball and basketball. Pat was a fighter pilot in the United States Air Force and continues to follow that interest with flying and airplanes. Please join me this morning in welcoming Pat Moore. Pat, awesome. Hey, thanks, buddy. <laughs> thanks for being with us today, Pat. Uh, anytime I can be with you, my friend. Uh, I'm glad is, to be here. This is great. This is great. Now, how did you first get started in, in life insurance, financial industry? Well, I, certainly by accident. Really? Um, but, you know, I, I think about Proverbs 16, 9. It says, we can make our plans, but God's guides our steps. Well, he's guided my steps a lot of ways. Mm. Uh, so I think maybe the best thing to do is to start way back yeah. because everything really in my life has kind of led to where I am today. So um, I was born in Dayton, Ohio. My dad was uh, a fighter pilot in the Air Force, uh, aeronautical engineer, but flying on the weekend with a guard. This was after World War II. Wow. Um, and my dad was killed suddenly in an uh, aircraft accident. It was actually a training mission when I was five years old. And my twin brother and I and my sister um, uh, don't really remember our dad that much, but we remembered the legacy and the pictures and the flying and all that. Um, uh, my mother moved back to Nashville, which is where she's from, to kind of start over mm. with three kids. And then uh, I had a series of men that entered my life uh, a couple of years later, a stepfather who was a great provider, but I had a wonderful baseball coach as a nine-year-old mm. and became my uh, scoutmaster um, and became an Eagle Scout under him. Um, so I was introduced to sports and leadership through scouting. Uh, and I think all of that kind of led to the next phase of my life, which mm. was college. Had an opportunity to play a little basketball in college. And then Vietnam War was going on. My brother and I were uh, required to be in ROTC back in, in that time. And uh, of course, we said, hey, Air Force. That's mm -hmm. what our dad was. And then lo and behold, we both wanted to be pilots. So my twin brother and I both became fighter pilots in the Air Force. And it was a wonderful thing for us to be able to share together something that our dad did. And, um, and then that led to the insurance business. So go figure all of those things that had happened in my life. And 
uh, all of a sudden I'm introduced to uh, insurance guys. I'm trying to increase my own life insurance after I had my first child. And the agent said, what are you going to do when you get out of the Air Force? And I said, I don't know. I'm either going to be in corporate flying or maybe an airline pilot or maybe sales. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, well, let me introduce you to our sales manager and the rest is history. I literally by accident, I kind of went home and said, you know, I think I'm going to join this company. So that's 41 years now. Wow. But God has given me glimpses of everything that happened in my life kind of prepared. And I'll tell a little story in a minute that will maybe help fill the gaps in on that. So 41 well, years now. 41 years. And, and, and it's been a big part of, I mean, your life, but also just your journey in helping people. And why is this so important to you? Well, um, I, I would say that, again, God had his hand in that. Um, I didn't know this, Jeff, until I'd been five years in the business. Um, but I found out that my dad had bought a life insurance policy two weeks before he was killed in an airplane crash. Wow. Uh, and he, he had just, they just built a brand new house and the mortgage was $28,000, this is in 1955. And he bought a $28,000 policy to cover that mortgage and died two weeks later. Well, it was an accident, so it paid twice. And so my mother was able to pay off the mortgage and then have enough money to relocate to Nashville, Tennessee, which is where she's from. And the point of the story, it gave my mother some time to start over. Um, and I wouldn't be in Nashville, Tennessee. I wouldn't have kind of the opportunities and the things that happened without that in my family. Mm -hmm. So that was five years after I'd been in the business. And it was like, okay, God, there's a... There was a reason I'm supposed to be doing this. It yeah. helped my own family. So it, it allowed me to be able to share those kinds of stories with, with families and people that I work with. Wow. It, it's so important to people today, right? I mean, just finances, how we handle those. It, why do you think that's so important? Uh, well, first of all, I think that um, one of the things that I have been a real advocate on is financial literacy. Um, we are really not taught much about money mm. growing up uh, in, in school, whether it be elementary school, even in college, even as I was working on finance and accounting and work, you know, I knew a lot about numbers, but nobody really taught you about what you're supposed to do with your money, how you're supposed to save, what you're supposed to spend, how you should prepare. Nobody really teaches that. <laughs> And so, to me, it's more about coaching and financial accountability and about trying to help people uh, plan for their futures. And uh, unfortunately, again, I've done this for a long time, I've seen a lot of people that aren't prepared for either a death in the family, um, not prepared for retirement. Mm -hmm. um, I have people that are taking care of their parents because their parents were taking care of retirement. So to me, it's a important thing for the dignity of the family. Mm -hmm. um, my mother married a second time uh, and, you know, unfortunately it may have been too much for the financial support rather than for love. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, anytime you can help people prepare financially, then you're going to help the family unit. So to me, it's, 
It's about the integrity and character of the family. Yeah, that, I think that's so important, right? Because, I mean, money, is, it's, it's a big deal. And uh, it puts so much stress on individuals, on a family. Uh, and as men, I mean, I think we feel that weight so often. Uh, what do you think are the biggest challenges men face, especially in this area of money? Uh, that's simple. It's called pride. <laughs> and you may hear me say that several times. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've, been, um, I've been characterized as a counselor mm. in lots of respects because I do counsel people in the financial world. And, you know, I've learned that as men, pride is probably the biggest thing that gets in the way of almost every area of our life, yeah. whether, whether it be our family, you know, our finances, uh, sin, mm. usually is pride-related. But I think men are normally fixers. We want to fix things. Um, we don't stop and ask for directions, so what are we going to ask for directions on finances? I mean, we're just not really good at that. Yeah. And so I think the pride of, I don't know it, but I'm not going to ask it, so I'll kind of ignore it, and lo and behold, it never gets done. So planning is something that requires somebody to help you be accountable. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're accountable, yeah. partner to mm -hmm. people in the church, mm -hmm. uh, people in small groups are mm -hmm. accountable to each other. I think I'm an accountability partner for, um, for the people that I work with. And I think that's why it's important. Um, we live in a kind of a financial um, complicated world. Yeah. I mean, you know, everything from mortgages to savings to investments, uh, it's complicated. Mm -hmm. And so um, you need somebody to help you with that. So how can men best prepare for financial challenges or finan I mean, just finances in general? I mean, how can men best prepare? Well, uh, first of all, I think they, first of all, got to swallow the pride. Let me yeah. go back to that again. But I think you got to ask for help and you have to find somebody that you can trust to help you develop a plan. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's, there's some very key things that I have coached and teach people through the years. Um, I have a uh, kind of a five important things for kind of um, success in mm -hmm. finances. And, and, it, and it starts with, first of all, getting organized. I mean, organization around your finances could be as simple as a yellow pad and listing out your expenses and, and your income. Um, or it could be organizing all of your uh, bills, uh, your files, everything, so that at least you know where everything is. Uh, second of all, I think you got to, you have to include your spouse. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're married, you, you have to. This is a, this is a joint venture. And so uh, I can tell you that in almost every family that I work with, you have one that's risky and one that's not, one that's aggressive and one that's conservative. One's a spender, one's a saver. And it usually is the man that's the aggressive. Uh, it'll be okay. And uh, so you need that together so that you can um, balance each other out. Um, I want to go back to something, because I, I don't want to forget this, because um, it'll, 
it, it has also had an impact on me. Um, I told you about the story about my mom and, mm -hmm. and, and about the life insurance that I didn't find out about until I'd been in the business a while. When my mother died, and she died um, at age 60, which was really young, especially mm -hmm. when I'm 66 today, thinking about uh, I was 35 years old, died of a heart attack, um, and I think she was my first death claim. Mm. So I had coverage on her, and now since then I've had about 20 families that have I've walked through uh, claims of life insurance or disability or helped them with the investment side. And, but when my mother died, um, I had a, a really godly friend that gave me a book um, called Balcony People. I don't know if you've heard mm -hmm. me talk about this in the past. Um, and he said, your mom was a balcony person. Now, I'll relate to what this has to do in a minute. Um, but the book was written by Joyce Landorf. It's an incredible book. Uh, it changed my life because it basically said we are, we're one of two types of people. We are either a balcony person to others where we're standing or sitting in the balcony of their life, pulling them up, helping them, whether it's coach, a teacher, a, a friend, a financial advisor, a pastor. Mm -hmm. The opposite to being a balcony person is a basement person pulling others down, mm -hmm. somebody that's not being a positive influence on you. And, and that book not only helped me and my family as I've kind of tried to teach that to my girls and now one of my grandkids about lifting people up, is kind of characterizes to me what I think my business is about. It's about lifting people up financially. It's about helping them to, um, you know, take care of the people that they care about. Mm -hmm. And um, be prepared to live in retirement. And, ev and really, everything we point to is about retirement. Mm -hmm. It's either about the husband and the wife's retirement, or it could be the wife's retirement after the husband dies. But it's all about having enough money to live with dignity through their life. Mm. So. Anyway. I think that's such a great point. And, you know, when you come back to getting organized, uh, you know, there's so many bills that come in, and, and if you don't know where that money's going, the next thing you know, you're like, well, why don't we have this? Because you know, the money's just kind of coming in and going out, and you're going, what happened? And, 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 yeah, you got to get a handle on that first. So I guess I didn't finish my five points. <laughs> uh, the first point was getting organized. The second is to uh, max protect. Now, that's a term that I use pretty broadly, but I want you to think about back in medieval times, uh -huh. the people that had wealth built castles, right? That's where they had all the wealth. And what did they do for castles? They put moats around the castles so the bad guys couldn't get in and get their stuff. So what I think, I think about a person's financial life is kind of their castle. It's whatever they have. And so we need to build moats around their castle. So max protection to me is let's protect everything we can, our, our assets, our contents, our liability. Let's make sure we have wills, um, 
living health care documents, anything that we can do to protect our family, uh, and that includes insurance. And so protection to the maximum, to the maximum that you can afford, that you can get, that's kind of what I mean by that. Next is to save 15 to 20 percent uh, of your income. Now, that's, that's almost un-American. You know, we haven't saved 15 percent as a country for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Yeah. Now, our parents and grandparents may have saved that. And so what's happened is, you know, we live a life and hopefully we're tithing to our church, but we also have taxes and, you know, bills and things that we want to do. And so I try to coach people to say, look, take 15% off the top and set it aside. That's biblical. Mm -hmm. Store up your mm -hmm. treasures, mm -hmm. right? The talent. Um, um, story talks mm -hmm. about being stewards of your money. So I think um, get organized, max protect, save 15 to 20 percent is really the number that will put you in a comfortable place where you won't run out of money over two lifetimes. Mm -hmm. and that's why I've got that number there. Um, and then, um, then you have to understand debt. Uh, too many people, and today's time is perfect example. We have low interest rate environment on mortgages. People are buying bigger and bigger houses. And there's some good strategies around that. However, we think you ought to limit the amount of mortgage payment you have to 15 to 20% of your gross income each month. Well, that's just a, I'm giving some guidelines. Mm -hmm. So you're saying, you know, what do you do? Well, if you can do these four or five steps, save money, max protect, limit your mortgage payments, and then try to avoid short-term debt. And if you have it, try to get out of it, and then spend the rest. Mm. So you, have, you, you set a plan, you get organized, and you set the money aside, and now you can live life and live it without being you know, under terrible stress, which, again, family stress, individual stress so much circles around money yeah. and, and concerns. So. Well, I think it's exactly right. And be prepared financially. You've, you've got to get some organization around that. Uh, otherwise, it's just consuming you, you oh, know, yeah, and uh, it's one of the top three causes of divorce in our country is problems over money, you know, problems over faith, problems over sexual morality, and then problems over money. And you see that because you usually do have a spender or saver. Mm -hmm. And so I end up counseling on the other side of it, you know, because people haven't put into place some practices to really help. And being on the same page with your spouse, that's great wisdom, Pat. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I think it's critical. You got to have God in the center yeah. of not only your family, but of your finances. You've got to yeah. make sure that you're in tune with each other. Um, I can't say that I've always been the best at that. There's been some investments that I made early in my life that flipping houses or whatever that I, you know, my wife said, I told you that wouldn't have worked. Now, we weren't on the same page and she was right and I was wrong. So I think what I've learned is, um, and what I certainly counsel people today is make sure that your spouse is on board mm. with the things you're investing in and the things you're spending. Yeah. And 
um, certainly you can kind of tell a person's heart by the, their checkbook mm. where they're spending stuff. So, how did your financial um, needs change? You know, as you have children, as you have a family. Yeah. Because it, I think when you're single, you're like, yeah, I can do this. I can save. I can do these things. But then all of a sudden, <laughs> you're married and kids enter in the picture. How, how does that change? Well, um, you know, when you're single, mm-hmm. you really have nobody to take care of but you, yeah. right? Um, all of a sudden, you add that next component, the spouse, hopefully first, mm-hmm. um, is now we have somebody else that I'm responsible for. And again, you know, I think that's the first time that with young couples I'm saying, okay, let's make sure that, you know, oftentimes you have two income families. Mm -hmm. And let's make sure that we are preparing in the event of either one of you not being able to work for whatever reason, whether that's to stay at home Mm -hmm. and have children and so now we've got two people to plan for and two people to take care of. Uh, so I think it's a great way to teach people, hey, it's, just, it's more about just you mm-hmm. and the things that you want. It's now about somebody else. Let's, you know, you, you, you've had those wedding vows and you said, I'm going to take care of. Okay, now put your money where your mouth is and take care of. Let's provide a safety net. And then the, each child just layers on that. You know, obviously, it's expensive to have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take the world for the two daughters that I have, and I would have spent twice as much money on them if that was what it took for them to be happy and loving and, and godly as they are today. But it, it's probably a million dollars of wealth that gets um, consumed if you were single, don't have children, and all of a sudden you have a child, that's probably a million dollars worth of wealth that, that's going to leave your house. Mm. So you have to prepare for that. You have to prepare for being able to take care of that child and you know, provide for them. And then, um, again, it's kind of an accountability thing. You've got family now. It's time to step up to the plate and be yeah. accountable, take care of your family. And I think that's a great word. I mean, because as men, we... Uh, we are the provider, but you know when we go out and we get a job and we have the provision, we also have to protect that. We got to be wise about that, otherwise, you know, it's just like coming in and going out. And so, if we don't, you know, get organized and get a coach, get somebody uh, who can sit down with us and talk us through these things, uh, then we're not doing, you know, our job or taking right. care of the of the people around us. So we want to do that well. You know. Um one of the things that I, uh, I've got several assignments when somebody is introduced to me or I meet somebody and I bring them into our, our office and we talk about what we do, um, almost the first thing I do is I talk about a book that I read about 10 years ago now, and it was a great business book called Start With Why. Have you heard of the book? Mm-hmm. It's written by Simon Sinek, and it's really a business book, and it's really about Apple Computer. It's a story of Apple, and I'm going to relate this to, to our business here mm-hmm. in a second. So Apple, in all of their beginnings, uh, the three owners, Wozniak, Jobs, and whoever the other guy was, never remember that third guy, 
um, they said, we're going to, our why, W-H-Y, our why around our business is to change the status quo. Now, how they did it was they used technology, computers, and what they did is they put a desktop computer on a, a business person's desk. And then they started developing other products. iPod was next, then iTunes. But every time they introduced a product, they said, we're going to keep the why the same, which is change the status quo. Mm. Now, if people understand your why, then how you do something and what you do is kind of falls, follows naturally. So I asked folks, as I tell them about that story, I said, now let me ask you your why around your money. Mm. Why are you here? Why? Do you care about saving or protecting? You know, there's a reason that you're here. I really don't know what, I don't care what you've done yet. I want to know why you're interested in, in talking with me. So if we can get connected on the why, what's important to them, you know, why are they there, then we can develop a how and what they need to do. Mm. So each family's different. Um, and, um, you know, everybody's resources are different. Some mm -hmm. people have inheritances. Mm. Some people have a very low lifestyle and enjoy that, don't really want any more. That's great. But everybody's different. Mm -hmm. And you need to know what their why is around their money. I'll never forget, I had a um, guy that was referred to me, and he had quite a bit of investments. And I kind of gathered that data before he came in. And if I had have done the normal, hey, you've got investments, let me help you, I can get you a better return and, you know, choose me, uh, I would have missed out on something. So what I did with him, as I do with everybody, I said, you know, why have you accumulated this money? Why have you saved so well? Why have you lived kind of under your means? And he said, because I want to stop working in a couple of years and teach. I want to teach people. He was a godly man. He said, I want to teach people about, uh, about patriotism and money and how God works. And he said, so I've had to accumulate so that I could step away from a big job and have a little salary and live off of it. Well, if I didn't know that why around his money, I would have made the wrong recommendations for him. Yeah. I would have been looking at long-term investments, but he told me, this is why I'm here, mm. is to help me figure out how to stop making money. And so uh, I think the why is an important part of what I do. I think that's huge. I mean, for all of us to know why, you know. Um, speaking of why, God has more to say about money, you know, than, than almost any other subject. And when Jesus was talking about money, uh, so that's a big why, is because Jesus wants us to handle the things that have been entrusted to us well, right? And come back to the parable of the talents. So talk about that being stewards. Okay. Like this really isn't our money, right? We're just being stewards of yeah. what God's entrusted to us. So um, about 2001, um, our church, I go to Four Seals Baptist mm -hmm. Church, we were doing the Purpose Driven Life mm -hmm book study for the church. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I was teaching a Sunday school class at the time. It's the first time I read Rick Warren's book. Mm -hmm. Karen and I decided we were going to 
do this Bible study together. It was a 40-day, as mm -hmm. you know, 40-day study. And Karen and I have been married, God bless her for staying with me, 45 years. Congratulations. 45, 45 years this December. That's awesome. But at that time, it was about 30. And we had never done a Bible study together for 40 days. Mm. We'd done some quiet time stuff, but not committed. So I said, let's commit to this. And about the second day into it, I said, you know, I think I'm going to give something up for 40 days. And, and it's going to lead to my spiritual thought mm. about money. And she said, what are you going to give up? I said, I'm going to give up the recreational use of alcohol. She said, great, thank goodness, because I think you drink too much. Mm. I think you stay up too late. Mm. I always want to leave, and you're having a cocktail. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to just give that up for 40 days, just 40 days. And God took that away. It's been 15 years now. But he gave me this strong conviction during this Bible study that you cannot be purpose-driven in everything you do if you have something that's getting in the way. And so I made a commitment from that point forward to have a purpose-driven life, purpose-driven company. Mm. Um, you know, we have our favorite Bible verses in our office. We don't claim to be a Christian financial planner, because if you got to tell somebody you're a Christian financial planner, it kind of defeats the purpose. I'd rather live the Christian financial planner. Mm. So people know where we are faith-wise. We talk about that every meeting, and we use terms like stewardship. I mean, mm. it's people, you know, we're working with people of value. They, God keeps giving us people of faith. So when you talk about stewardship, people get that. Mm. And so uh, I think the biggest thing is people want to be good stewards. They just don't know how. Mm -hmm. And they just don't have an accountability partner to kind of help them. So, you know, we, we stand alongside in the gap and uh, help people do what God would like for us to do, which yeah. is take care of our money and take care of the widows and the orphans, which yeah. is, again, right out of the Bible. Yeah, and I think that's a huge part of that, right? That stewardship is, you know, we, we talk a lot about, you know, you give your first 10%, you save your next 10%, then you live on 80%. So you would say save more, which yeah. is probably right. Well, but, it's just math. Yeah, I mean, it it's is. It's just math. Yeah. I mean, you can save 10, that's great. Yeah. Um, it's but, just that you'll be about 50 or 60% of what you need in retirement. That's yeah. It. So, but I think it's that tithing part that's first, too, when you yeah. give back and you trust and you say, God, this is your money, this is your finances. What would you do differently, Pat? Let me ask yeah. you this. So let's, let's back you up 20, 30 years. What would you do differently financially? Yeah, that's, that's such an easy question. The first thing I would do, <laughs> no, no, seriously, it is, the first thing to do is, was to make a budget. Mm. Um, you know, Karen and I, Karen, my wife, has been a professional and has had a great income. And for many of the years that we've been married, we've been blessed to be able to out-earn our spending. Mm. Okay? Now, we were able to pay cash for everything, college and weddings and things. But, and God has produced, allowed us to, to make a good income. Um, but we, we've never, until 
about 15 years ago when I started this company, really looked at it from a budgeting standpoint. So the first thing I would have done as a young person is to say, okay, even a yellow pad, this is what I got coming in, and this is what I have fixed expenses going out, and this is what I have left to, to spend on the variable things of life. The second thing I would have done, and I really, really encourage this for everybody, is to make sure that you have a sufficient emergency account that you can draw on in those times that you need it. Mm. Um, so, you know, whether it's six months of fixed expenses, which is kind of the guideline, to 12 months if it makes you feel comfortable to have more cash in the bank, uh, having emergency money to draw off when that car goes out or the roof needs repairing or you have a major orthodontia bill or something where you're have some resources to get rather than to continue to pile up short-term debt. So the two things would be budget mm -hmm. and a, a, enough sufficient emergency cash to be able to live on during those bumps in our life. Now, those are both great. And, you know, I think finances create so much stress in the home, but if we can prepare by doing some simple things like that, right? Budget, bringing your spouse in, you know, being on the same page, uh, that alleviates that stress, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's, uh, you know, stress is, um, we all have it. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and unfortunately, things can be perfect. And, you know, Satan's still gonna throw some, some stress in there or try to. But I think if you can get that part handled, the financial part, then you can concentrate on the, really the stressors of life like marriage mm. or raising your children to be godly kids. Or and maybe you can now give some time to your church or your community where you can, you know, you don't have the stress that's holding you back now, so let's go ahead and give, you know, to the community. Mm. So. Um, yeah, I think the, the financial stress can be removed with some planning. Yeah. How do you give your finances over to the Lord? You know, I think that's, we hold everything like this, right? Yeah. And I think the stress goes as we just kind of go, okay, God, you're in control. You're my provider. You're my provision. How can we do that? Well, you probably can, you kind of said it just then. Um, I think, first of all, you got to, you got to pray about it, mm. and you have to you have to ask God, give me some freedom and wisdom and some relief about this worry about money, and you know, give me somebody that understands me that can listen to me, and um, so I think again, it's you got to ask God for wisdom. Mm. You got to find somebody that you can trust to help you mm -hmm. um, because I, I, I honestly believe that the additional stress is trying to do it yourself Yeah, because there's no way, sorry Jeff, but there's yeah. no way that you're going to be able to know what I know in 41 years of my business. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, if you can give it away. Get yeah. that stress away from saying, hey, I got to learn this and I got to do it myself. I think that'll help. And then, you know, ask God to be a part of it. 
Yeah, because God wants us to succeed, right? Oh, I mean, God wants us to bl- succeed. Prayer Jabez. Yeah. I mean, he wants yeah. to bless you. I mean, yeah. all these blessings that, that he wants to give in. Sometimes we, we don't even ask for them. Or we well, yeah, and I think he comes back to, well, if you're faithful with little, I'll give you more. Oh. And until we get this part down with whatever we have right now, I mean, we're always saying, well, I need more, I need more. And God's going, no, be faithful now. Yeah. And when you get this part down, then I'll provide you with more. That's and right. So I think that's important. Okay, how do we be spiritual leaders? As men, we're called to be spiritual yep. leaders in our home. And um, Well, I think, um, go back to the Purpose Driven Life book. First of all, we, we all have a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I truly believe what I do is a calling. I've had lots and lots of opportunities to be in lots and lots of businesses and corporations and um, but I really feel I'm called to serve, mm-hmm. okay? So I think one thing is as a, a man of faith, we need to work in something that we think we are being called to do. Wow. If you're uncomfortable with your job, then maybe you're not where God wants you to be. So let's let, you know, go through whatever purpose-driven book exercise counseling to find out exactly what should I be doing with my work time. Because God wants us to work. That's mm-hmm. biblical. But you need to do something that is that you feel like you're being called to do. Because if you can, you know, if you feel called to do that, then I can serve God as a business preacher in this office setting. Um, I, I'm not going to be as effective as as you are in in the church, but uh, hopefully I can give my spiritual um, witness mm-hmm. because I feel called to do it. Um, also, I'm involved with um, other organizations that I think are allowing me to be a spiritual businessman. I've been on the board of FCA for about 15 years, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and I love being able to serve young people and seeing them come to Christ, especially through sports, Mm -hmm. which I love. Um, And I also have a a conviction, a tugging on my heart for the homeless. So Mm -hmm. I'm doing, I feed the um, homeless four times a year Mm -hmm. uh, down at Room in the Inn. And, And so I think you know, we have to take what God has given us and our talents and our gifts. He's given us money and wealth. Great. Let's get that organized. And then let's get outside our church yeah. and our home and be that light on the, you know, on the wow. hillside. I love that. So uh, I think that's how we, we be a spiritual man in the yeah. business world. Um, one last little story. I used to, as I went, uh, this last 15 years of my life has been a really wonderful journey. The path has been narrowing mm. for me in my faith, and, uh, and that's a good thing. Um, and I used to wonder, okay, God, why can't I see you? And I think about this as almost a uh, analogy of driving in a car. Why can't I see you out the front windshield of my life? I seem to always see you in the rear view mirror. I, 
I can look and say, oh, that was God back there. Mm. That was God. Mm. Oh, that was him protecting me. Oh, that was him that was providing for me. And I would start saying, why can't I see out the front of the windshield? And then God revealed, you couldn't handle what's coming, you know? And we're not supposed to always know everything that's coming. Yeah. But I see him out the side window of my life all day. You know, there he is, there he is, there he is. So whether it's talking with a homeless person or talking with somebody new in my business or working with a young person at FCA or somebody at church, I'm seeing God at work all the time. And so he continues to convict me that the calling that I have you in, I have you right where I want you. I need to improve. Mm -hmm. I'm not perfect mm -hmm. by any stretch of the imagination, especially ask some of our mutual <laughs> friends. Um, but, um, you know, I'm, God's got me in a good place. Praise so. God. I love that. I love that. So, Pat, what do you want your legacy to be? Uh, uh, what's that Bible verse about fought the good fight, run mm. the good race? Yeah, fought the good fight. Um, and, and I want to be a balcony person. Mm. I want to be remembered for lifting people up. Mm. That's awesome. That's, that's about all you need to put on the, on the thing for me. <laughs> Well, Pat, I think we have a couple of questions that have come in for you. Great. So, Thomas? Okay, Pat, let's rapid fire some of these. Uh, number one, I handle the finances in our home. I feel it's my responsibility and my wife isn't really interested in paying bills, deciding on what we save, etc. Am I setting up for failure down the road? How much of this do we need to do together? Uh, I, th I think it's fine for one to pay the bills because, again, that. It's kind of like going grocery shopping. Karen doesn't like to go, I go. Um, but I do think the planning side, not, you know, the bills is the implementation of what's going out. But I think the planning of what you have, what's coming in, where we should put it, that needs to be jointly whether she really wants to do it or not. I think she needs to have uh, impact in that involvement. It's a great question, though. I mean, being on the same page there, yeah. I think, is important. On the yeah. planning side, right, not the execution. Yeah, not on the execution. Yeah, that's good. Okay, let's get another one. Uh, my spouse and I agree on most financial decisions, but college savings is not one of them. What do you say about saving for college versus saving more for retirement? Well, uh, again, I think that's a something you got to come on the same page with. Uh, let me give you some examples. I've had some people who said, my parents didn't do anything for me and I had to work my way through school and that's what my kids are gonna do. Okay, that's their experience and that's their feelings. I have other, maybe a spouse in that same family says, my family paid for my school and I wanna be able to do the same thing. So now we have a, we have a conflict of ideas, maybe of experiences mm. and so, you know, most of the time when I see those kinds of things, it's really, it's more about how can we do both? It doesn't have to be one or the other. It very well could be, gosh, with just a little organization and maybe you already have the assets that you can pull from, maybe we can do both. Let's talk about the advantages of why we would do that and why we wouldn't. What burden could we leave the child if they have to have debt or work? Maybe they don't have the same experience. So I think it's a, 
first of all, you got to come together on the idea and, and maybe find out where those opinions are coming from. It could be from their home, and mm -hmm. let's talk through them. You know, paradigm, uh, we all have our own paradigm, mm -hmm. right? And just because you like me, you're not going to necessarily change your paradigm. But if we study the facts around your, your opinions and look at all the options available, you may change your paradigm. And I think that's part of it. You got I think that's a great question. I mean, yeah. because I do think you have a limited amount of resources, so where are you going to put those? Yeah. But working together on that, what kind of experience do you want for your kids? Because you don't want them coming out with $200,000 in debt. Right. You know, they're, they're, they're hamstrung for the rest of their life. But you also want them not to be, you know, um, just always, you know, looking to you. You want them to develop a job or develop a career and learn how to do that. Yeah. So it is something you and, work and together I, on. One other thing that I just thought of, um, most people have the most availability of wealth to save when they're about 46, 48 years old. That just right. happens to be the statistics. Now, if you think through that, that's probably after college. So what happens is I think that you can divert a little bit more towards savings for college because once they get out, guess what? You're going to have the ability to catch back up on the retirement side. So again, I think you've got to first come together with what's important, and I think you can do both, but you've just got to prepare for it. Great question. Great question. You have time for one yeah, more? Yeah, let's sneak one in. Uh, Pat, you are hitting on this at the end there. I read a statistic that the transfer of wealth to the next generation between now and 2060 will reach $60 trillion. What do we need to be teaching our kids about taking on this huge responsibility? Well, that sounds like someone's expecting somebody to have large amounts of inheritance. Um, that, that's, that trillions of dollars that's going to be transferring is going to be transferring from a lot of people in smaller amounts. Uh, now, here's what I would say. It, it, you may need three or four million dollars to live 30 years in retirement if you look out 10 or 20 years with inflation. I'm, I'm just throwing some numbers out here for a second. But if you have more than that that your children may be inheriting, I think it's a great opportunity to meet with somebody like the Christian, Fan, um, the Christian Foundation or somebody to say, hey, let's generate income through trust, uh, charitable giving, so forth, and get our kids involved with they've got to be the making the decisions. Teach them some money. I mean, you may be giving some of that money away, but let the kids be involved with it. So, you know, I, I really think if you are godly parents and you are teaching um, your kids right, they'll be prepared for money. If you got too much, don't leave them that much you can set it up in charitable things that work well. Brilliant. I love that. Uh, that is a great answer because I do think that that's being prepared, right? Yeah. That comes back to that organization, preparation, understanding that we're stewards, it's all God's, and uh, that, that makes sense. Yeah. That's really great. Pat, this has been fantastic. Oh, so, thanks, man. Hey, Appreciate let me pray it. for us right now. Father, thanks for today. And God, I just thank you for all the men that are 
watching and Father that are here and uh, I thank you for Pat I thank you for speaking through him today and Father money is just one of those subjects that's hard but yet God you've blessed all of us Father just by virtue of where we live God we are so blessed and so I pray that we would be good stewards I pray that Father uh, we would be organized in this area, that we would be prepared in this area. I pray that it wouldn't cause stress in our families, mm. but yet, God, that it would bless our marriages and, and us as parents. I pray that we would be able to teach about money well. Uh, I pray for wise counsel to come around every man who's watching this to, to help us to be good stewards and to do things well. And so, God, thank you for today. This has been challenging and encouraging to me as well. And, Father, I just thank you for Pat. And I thank you for all you're doing in men's leadership. And God, to you be the glory. I pray that we're men after your heart, that we're godly husbands and fathers, and we seek you all the days of our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.